Well, hi, this is Phil Miliarati, Pray for Surf. And if you have found this but don't know where our website is, you can go to Pray for Surf blog, Pray for Surf blog, dot blogspot dot com. Pray for Surf blog, dot blogspot dot com. Look for the search box. I think it's upper right-hand corner around there somewhere. And just put in podcast and a whole bunch of podcasts from our archive. Hopefully, will come up and you can see if there's something else you'd like to go for. So, But thanks for joining us uh, for this one with Mark Dillon. Mark, good to have you on the phone again. Always good to talk to you. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, Phil. Good to be back. Good. Thank you. I'm not sure what we're going to end up calling this thing, uh, this one. Um it's a bit of a mystery to me. It sounds like you've got some kind of uh, secret formula for the Smile album. So I'll just let you take it away. Uh, maybe you want to start with what would you call this? Uh, would you give a title for this if this were one of the articles that you write for uh, your uh, career? So uh, take it away. Well, why don't we call it Re-Reconstructing Smile? Reconstructing Smile. That but with, like an, with an extra re in front of it because, as we know, this is the Beach Boys' collapsed, unfinished magnum opus from 1966-1967, lay dormant and unfinished for all these decades, and then Brian surprised and delighted us all by uh, re-recording this music, uh, adding some new parts to it, and uh, coming out with a complete work in 2004, which was great, but uh, not necessarily, I think, what smile would have been in 1967. So it, it was by no means the end of, of the mystery of Smile. Well, I, I'm glad you're saying that and, and how you're uh, putting, how you're constructing this, the subject line, so to speak, by re-reconstructing Smile. We do have a complete work and it's it's probably the only quote-unquote complete work we'll get, but that does not mean it's what it would have been uh, in 1967. Um, and there's others out there who probably have their re-reconstruction, but uh, I think a Mark Dillon reconstruction would be one we'd like to hear about. So how do you want to start us off? Well, I mean, uh, you touched on something interesting. I think this is the, the favorite game of a lot of Beach Boys fans and has been. I mean, you know, I remember being a fan back in the 1980s when, you know, there wasn't much talk in the mainstream press about Smile. It was something that fans knew about and fans dreamed about and uh you know our dreams were fueled by certain publications like david leaf's book uh, the beach boys and the california myth um you know i read that chapter and and read about smile and all these great tracks we had never heard and it was it was so exciting and and what a tragedy this never came out and we probably figured we we never would but of course some of it did come out because you know when brian for a multitude of reasons, and the band uh, put Smile in the in the vault. You know, they still had an album to release, and so they came out with Smiley Smile, which was a uh, a much scaled down and, and quite different version of it. But it did have pieces uh, from Smile and and some stuff that was re-recorded in a simpler way, uh, because you know during the Smile era, Brian was working with his wrecking crew musicians, like some some big orchestrations uh, in part. So Smiley Smile, he recorded in his living room studio with the band, and we got songs like Heroes and Villains, but quite different from what the Smile version would have been. Uh, Vegetables had some parts of, of Smile on it and, and, and was re-recorded uh, in parts as well. So, I mean, you could take, 
you know, some of those songs and Good Vibrations, of course, uh, would have been on that album. You could take some of those songs. You could look at the back cover of uh, the Smile album that was printed in, in 1966. That that was widely uh, distributed, uh, that image. So we knew what uh, what songs were supposed to be on that album, according to to that source. And then, you know, later on, certain things trickled out um, on the 2020 album, uh, Cabin Essence was the closing track, and that was a Smile track. I, I don't think I was initially aware that Our Prayer was supposed to be on Smile, so when I found that out, that was uh, that was quite exciting. Uh, and then, of course, you had the Surf's Up track on, on the album of that name that came out in 1971. So you could you could cobble together these various sources, and then uh, a book came out a little bit later called Look, Listen, Vibrate, and Smile by Dominic Priore, and that um, you know it reprinted a lot of articles from the day and Dominic's own. Uh, opinions on, on what Smile would have been. And then, you know, bootlegs on CDs became very popular. I remember uh, ordering away to uh, a guy in Virginia. He sent me a, uh, uh, a Smile bootleg that had stuff I'd never heard on it, which was so mysterious because, I mean, some of this material was not even finished, but it had these incredible vocal and instrumental parts. And it just, you know, even got you more excited about about what Smile could have been. So, I mean, for many years, I've I've put together, um, you know, different mixes of Smile, and, and they were great, even based on what was officially released. I mean, that, that was a fantastic uh, collection of tunes. But then, of course, in 1993, the Beach Boys' uh, Good Vibrations box set came out. That had a whole bunch of Smile stuff we'd never heard before, so that was very exciting. And then, of course, uh, you know, Brian's uh, 2004 version gave us... Uh, quite a refreshing look on, uh, on on what Smile could have been. And uh, and then we got the Smile Sessions box set, which has, you know, just discs worth of sessions and unreleased bits. And uh, so anyway, so there's a lot of material out there, really. I, I don't know how much more is left in the vaults. I mean, obviously, it, it was not finished. I've heard some estimates that Brian might have been as close as 90% finished or, or something like that when the project collapsed around May 1967. But uh, but anyway, I mean, uh, we had the great 2004 uh, release, and I think that probably quieted uh, a lot of fans' fantasies for a while. But, you know, uh, this whole thing was triggered in me again recently, and, and I'll give the credit to David Beard, who's the editor of uh, Endless Summer Quarterly, Beach Boys uh, fan publication. He posted something, you know, I don't know, maybe a year ago on, on Facebook, and he had his own sort of suggested playlist for Smile. I don't think what he was necessarily trying to do was to say this is what Smile would have been in 1967, more of like his own sort of like here's a nice flow for the album, here's a suggested alternative. But it got me thinking again, like, you know, what would have uh, <laughs> that album really been like? And uh, so that sort of set me to the drawing board, and I, I really thought on it for a good long time, and uh, I came up with some new answers for myself, certainly different from, uh, you know, what I believed in the past. Well, you've given us a great sweep of history, and um, for those who might be new to this whole discussion, uh, they can dig in on each of those points and maybe start searching for some of those sources. Uh, the uh, My first uh, experience with, with Smile uh, was really the, the album cover in the, in the record store in 1966. I'm that old, and uh, it you know just caught your attention. It was totally the psychedelic art of the day, so to speak, and 
uh, you could just tell something special was going to come out. And I'm disappointed it didn't come out, but grateful that when they were done advertising an album that wasn't coming out, they uh, let me grab that uh, album cover. So I, it's a prized possession for me today. But yeah, ever since from the very beginning, it had a, a sense of uh, mystery to it. Um, and I don't think that will ever change, even after the originals, not the songs, but the, the players, uh, Beach Boys, even after they're well past. So how do you want to dig in, Mark? Do you want to just go where you think it would start, side one, song one, or what's the best way to go at it? Well, I guess what I've done is I've lined up uh, two sort of playlists. One is my re-reconstructed smile compared to what Brian released um, in 2004. So we could sort of go track by track that way. Yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be fine. You want to start there? So I, I think, uh, you know, if, if anyone wants to really play this game and really think of what Smile would have been in 1967, I mean, we have to realize that Smile would have been a record, an LP, and an LP you know, has a, a running time of up to 45 minutes, basically, 44 to 45 minutes, divided into two sides. So you've got, you know, uh, two sides of 22 to 23 minutes each. So that right away puts some restrictions on what you can do because I think, you know, Brian's 2004 release embraces the CD format. Uh, the running time, I think, is, uh, I think I, it was about 58 minutes or something like that or anyway certainly longer than uh, than it could have been in 1967 i mean that's part of the value of of brian's release i mean there are things on that cd that i don't think ever would have made the final track listing of smile but it's good to have them in a finished state because he brought his lyrical collaborator van dyke parks back and you know they finished these songs that had only existed as uh, as instrumentals uh for example song for children and I think they did a great job. So, I mean, that, that's a bonus I never thought we would have. I mean, those, I, I think Brian did a beautiful job uh, with the 2004 thing, but it's a 2004 thing. And, and it, it, you know, it has that flow. It doesn't have the breakup of two sides. I, I think he, he embraced the format. He wanted the whole thing to flow, you know, from front to back, and it's a little bit longer. So I think we have to lop off some of those tracks, and uh, we have to think in terms of, of a two-side division. Um, you know, the opening track is uh, Our Prayer, and that's uh, the opening track on, on my reconstruction as well, uh, because we know this. Uh, it's on the tape where when Brian was recording it with, uh, with the group, he, uh, he explained that it was going to be uh, an opener to the album. So I think that, uh, that can stay uh, right where it's at. Um, then we move let me, on. Let me just stop yeah. for a second. Um, and maybe this will take us too much sidebar, but maybe something we could discuss at some point is, uh, I don't know, maybe controversy is too strong a word, but part of the mystery for me is, is this a uh, psychedelic album? Is it a humor album, smile? Uh, the, the, you know, the artwork, my, my phrase, circuit psychedelic, or the word I would put to it. Uh, but yet, everyone, I think, would agree with you that our prayer is where it, uh, would have started and, and does start in all the other reconstructions. So Brian called it a teenage symphony to God. It's not a religious album per se, but, you know, it is is that it? So I don't know if you want to speak to that or maybe come back to it, but the whole idea of uh, is it a, what was it? And did, was it? Was it at different times different things? 
Um, well, know, yeah, I mean, there's so much ambition, so much thought going on here. Brian would keep getting inspired and, and, and going in new directions, so it, you, you can't really pin it down. Like, th- there is humor as an aspect of it, but it certainly doesn't suffuse the whole album. Um, I mean, basically, I, I think most fans can agree that there are three movements. I think Brian has spoken of, of that, always spoken of that as well. I mean, there's, there's the, the Western expansion movement, uh, America Old West. There's the childhood innocence movement and and there's the elements now that that could be controversial as well because either you believe the elements is one track or you believe the elements is is a whole suite i i can only sort of believe that the elements is a whole suite that that uh, contains four songs that we can we can identify so yeah it, there, there's a lot going on in this album that's for sure and uh, that that was part of the challenge trying to fit it all into 45 minutes yeah for sure so please go ahead well, okay, so heroes and villains, um, but so the the edit that Brian did in 2004, I think, is, is a very sort of uh, revisionist history edit of of uh, heroes and villains. And again, it goes for flow, it goes for uh, concert performance, because I think this is where this project really began. I mean, the, the idea was to to perform Smile Live. So I think that had to be a consideration as well. And I think for that reason, Heroes and Villains, you know, the, the version that we have has a nice flow to it. Now, um, there's always been talk of Heroes and Villains Part 1 and Part 2, and Chuck Britz, Brian's engineer, spoke of that uh, in an interview. He said that, you know, this song in total was about seven minutes long, and, uh, you know, how do you do that as a single? Well, what you do is you have the first half on on side A of the single and and the second half on side B. So, when I wrote my book, Fifty Sides of the Beach Boys, uh, and I interviewed Alan Boyd, who is uh, the Beach Boys archive manager, and uh, he produced uh, the Smile Sessions box set and, and many other archival releases, he told me that Brian denied that there was ever a Heroes and Villains Part 1 and Part 2. So, you know, what do you say to that? I don't know. Uh, But by the same token, if you look on the Smile Sessions box set, well, there it is. They have a Heroes and Villains Part 1 and Part 2. So, which leads me to believe that perhaps Mr. Boyd and and his partner, Mark Lynette, engineer and producer, uh, maybe they know something we didn't, because uh, it's, it's on that box set, so there's got to be something to the existence of Heroes and Villains Part 1 and Part 2. And so, you know, if, if, you, if you put those back-to-back on the album, you have a, 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 an even more sprawling uh, seven-minute track, and it really goes, uh, takes some really surprising turns, it really covers a lot of musical territory you know there's more orchestral bits that 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 come in and of course there's that crazy part where it sounds like the guys are are imitating animals rolling around in the mud you know like it really is a crazy (laughs) overall track and i mean I, i could understand why you know the band and maybe even brian himself would have been a little scared to to release this as the opening track of your album because it's it's not like anything else. It's not like your 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 standard vocal uh, Beach Boys yeah. hit by any means, but uh, it is certainly a an impressively weird uh, piece full of uh, a lot of musical scope. Yeah, and still mystery there. If I had a better uh, memory, uh, I might have some. <laughs> 
a more definitive response on this. Back in 1967, uh, the summer, did a vacation with family out in L.A. And I know this this isn't about uh, um, you know m- my history here, but but I somehow tracked their office down, and somehow I was on a payphone back in the day, payphone. Uh, talking to Bruce Johnston. I don't know where I had his phone number from. <laughs> there goes the memory whole thing. But I do know that I was talking to him. And, you know, he knew I was a fan. He was polite. It was, was not a, you know, long conversation. But he says kind of like uh, at the end almost, he says, well, hey, would you would you like to hear our new single? This is before Heroes and Villains came out. And wow. he played me what I think was the seven-minute version of it. My problem is I'm – I'm not musical, so I'm, I'm, you know, not able to tell you, you know, the keys and all that kind of stuff. All I knew is it was an amazing sound, but I was probably spending more time thinking, I'm talking to Bruce Johnson, and I should be listening to this song because, you know, very few people have heard this. Right. And and, now and that would have been the follow-up to Good Vibrations. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm thinking uh, if I had a better sense, I could say, well, the version I heard that Bruce had on acetate, I think he was at his mother's home at the time, uh, you know, it was this, or it didn't have that. And I, I can't do that. But all that to say, what prompted me to say that is uh, the part one and part two, he thought that he was explaining all of the history of heroes and villains, but he just kind of said, this is the song. And I think it was before they put it down to the three minute version, but I'll never. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a, I can still, I kind of look at, you know, you, how they, people talk about out-of-body experiences. It was like I was up in the air watching myself on a cell, not a cell phone, a pay phone, thinking, hey, man, you're talking to Bruce Johnson, listening to an unreleased song. Pay more attention. But uh, I didn't. <laughs> but it was a great experience. So. That is fantastic. Oh, thanks. So go ahead. So uh, in the 2004 Smile, the, the next track is Roll Plymouth Rock which uh, the original title was the far more obscure do like worms. Nonetheless, I mean, this is a song. uh, Well, we'll get to that in a sec, because I think in in, in my version, we go from heroes and villains to barnyard. I've always felt that barnyard uh, belongs with heroes and villains. It it sort of speaks to the old West, to homesteaders. Uh, I I really think that should flow um, from heroes and villains. And then from there, we go to the uh, the old master painter, and you are my sunshine. That medley, which 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 flows beautifully from barnyard. So this is a whole old west suite here. Then I have do you like worms? Because to me, we're moving westward. This is about westward expansion. We're going to Hawaii. We're we're going from one end to the other because uh, you know that song ends up with a lot of uh, Hawaiian type chanting. Um, so. To me, that, that's, that's sort of the logical flow of that sequence. Uh, and then, and this, this was something that I'd never thought of before. I mean, in, in, in the current mixes that we have released of Do You Like Worms, what does it end with? It ends with a train whistle. So what does that suggest? To me, that suggests cabin essence. So this is a, this is a different ordering uh, because Brian's goes uh, from Roll Plymouth Rock to Barnyard to the old master painter, You Are My Sunshine, to Cabin Essence. Uh, but to me, uh, Barnyard, Painter, Worms, Cabin Essence. I, does, doesn't that make sense, the, 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 the train whistle? I mean, it's, it's a segue, really, yeah. into a song about uh, building the railroad. Yeah, I think that's uh, making good sense. 
and I, I'm back to at least for me, you know, is this a humor album? Oh, again, you know, Teenage Symphony of the God, uh, the Western movement uh, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think over the years, anyway, I don't think enough analysis has done what you're doing, and, and that is taking the songs, of course, separately, but, but recognizing, okay, how would they fit if the theme is not just westward, but westward expansion? In other words, sequence. That There's got to be a sequence to that, chronological in a way, or, or geographical at least. So anyway, um, just another way of saying I think you're making some good sense here. Well, yeah, I mean, and some of the other themes uh, we, we, we get to later. But, but here's the situation. So, I mean, if we, if we buy into what I've just been selling here. So now we have run to 17 minutes and 30 seconds. So if the two other sections are the childhood innocence and, uh, and the elements, well, you can't fit one of those whole sections on the end of side one. So I'm like, what could be on the end of side one? Well, then it came to me, good vibrations. And I don't know if anybody has ever suggested that before. I think, you know, people might think that good vibrations may have started side two because it does with Smiley Smile. Some Mm. people seem to have in their mixes that it would start side one because it was was the big hit. But uh, what about putting it right at the end of side one? It would fit lengthwise if all those other Western uh, theme songs fit together. And look, there's precedent to it as well. I mean, Brian, you know, always felt that Good Vibrations did not really fit on the Smile album. It was not part of that concept, and that's why in his 2004 version, he puts it at the very end. It's not in the sequence. But, uh, you know, we, we knew it was going to be on that album, and, and, you know, just like a lot of people have a problem with Sloop John B being on Pet Sounds, where did he put that? At the end of side one. If we go back to Summer Days and Summer Nights, there was a number one hit, Help Me Rhonda, that had come out earlier. Where did he put that? At the end of side one. If we go back even further to the Beach Boys today, there was a hit called Dance, Dance, Dance. Where did he put that? You know, that was an earlier hit. He put it at the end of side one. So I think uh, that's the way Brian was thinking. You put that, that older hit, uh, you know, after uh, you got that flow of, of, of side one and before you get into the flow of side two. Very interesting. Makes a lot of sense. Would you... Uh, certainly there's a couple of what we might call versions or, or alternate sections for good vibrations, the uh, hum de doo or whatever that is, that, that Western-sounding section. Would you use that version rather than the single version? I do. Uh, whether that's uh, accurate historically or not, I don't know. I, I don't know where this – there is a four-minute and ten-second version of good vibrations that seems to be the de facto version that you hear you know, on, uh, on these box sets – uh, as opposed to the original, which is three minutes and 35 seconds. So that's an extra 35 minutes. But it has a really nice fade to it. I, I think it would be a, a really good album closer like that. I, I don't know whether this mix was a total retroactive uh, creation or, or if it's something that Brian wanted to do at the time, but he had to like cut it down for, for length. I don't know. That's, that's a question I'd love to have answered. But, but uh, to your question, yes, I, I like that, uh, that longer version. I think it uh, trails off very nicely for the end of our side one. So I wonder if, and who knows, you know, it's all about the mind of Brian, and uh, he might not even remember, or he might have changed even in the process, but I wonder if when uh, some of the, what I'll call just the cowboy section, cowboy sounding section of Good Vibrations was removed, I wonder if that 
that may be a, a motivating reason to take it out of the flow here and just and tack it on the end of the album. I mean, it's speculation, but I wonder if that's what happened. Yeah, I think he just felt like Good Vibrations was something he had to have on that album to, to help sales, and that's what Capitol Records would have wanted, which which makes sense. I mean, that was a big part of their marketing. But, uh, but yeah, I think so. You know, if, if he could go back in 2004, do it any way he wanted, I'm not surprised that, that he put it... Uh, he put it at the very end. I mean, you know, this this is pure spe- speculation on my part, but you know, it's it's well known that that Mike Love was not a fan of Smile. He he has said so to me as well, at least in terms of the lyrics of the thing. And so maybe Brian and and, and you know, Mike wrote those great lyrics to Good Vibrations, but maybe it was an awkward position for Brian to have a Mike Love co-write on the 2004 version. I mean, if if Mike's not a big fan of Smile feels kind of weird maybe to have uh, to have that so he didn't even mm. use the Mike Love version he used the Tony Asher version the the uh, the earlier lyrics so I mean, right there's something interesting to that yeah there's a statement there somewhere okay so we have let me see what I've uh, got here on your uh, smile 1967 side one uh, our prayer heroes and villains barnyard old master painter and you are my sunshine and then Roll Plymouth Rock, Cabin Essence. Or do you Go like ahead. worms? That's what we usually call. Do you like or dig worms? Doesn't it appear? I think it's do you like. I think it it's been it's been referred to as do you dig sometimes too, I think. Well, it should have been dig. I'm just joking. Uh, anyway, Cabin Essence and then Good Vibrations. So we're on to side two, right? Yes. Okay. So... Here's something. Okay, so and just just to know, I mean, where where we're at on Brian's version is it goes from uh, the Western theme, Cabin Essence, to the childhood theme with Wonderful, but that's that's not the direction I'm going in here. So I'm wondering if, as with Side One and Our Prayer, that perhaps there is a shorter track, you know, that sets the tone for Side Two, and I'm wondering if it's I'm in Great Shape. Um, this is a song, that, a section that came out of, of, of Heroes and Villains. On Brian's version, he has it uh, opening the sort of final suite that has the elements. But, you know, it's quite likely that this would have been on the album, I'm in Great Shape, because it is on the, the back cover. But, I mean, you know, as we know, that back cover may have been a bit premature. The, the whole thing could have changed. But anyway, so if, if we buy into I'm in Great Shape being on this album... It could go there, and I think there's a natural segue here from that to vegetables, because what is the last line? I'm in great shape. It's all about you know, being in good health and all this, and the very last line is, I'm in the great shape of the agriculture. Isn't, uh, that, isn't that just crying out for vegetables to come next? It's crying out. I can hear it right from here. <laughs> now, to your, to your point about... Yeah, to your point about, you know, is is Smile an album about humor? Well, this is this is I think Vegetables probably more than any other complete track is the humorous track. I mean, there are bits, you know, as we've discussed in our humor album edition, there are bits in Heroes and Villains that uh, that are that are certainly humorous, like them imitating the barnyard animals, but um Vegetables, you know, pride of placement i mean if your album's called smile here's here's your humor track really being the the first full-length track on on side two and i mean a lot of people you know feel that vegetables was strong enough to be a single i mean the beach boys usually started side two with with a with a strong 
cartoon, a hit, yeah. and vegetables could have been that. Like it is, it is that kind of commercial and, and and that kind of happy, even with its its loopy humor. Yeah, and, and so much of this is speculation. I've uh, for, forever wondered if they had put that out as a, a single. I mean, it just seems so wonderfully odd. But I, I just wonder how, uh, given the zeitgeist of that day. Uh, you know, if, if it would have been panned or if it would have been like, you know, uh, oh, my goodness, uh, number one million seller, everybody thinks Beach Boys are great. I think it could have gone either way. All they had to say was Paul McCartney choose celery and carrot sticks <laughs> on it and would have been guaranteed top ten. There you go. There, there you go. But but also I should I should talk about the elements. So, you know, it, it seems to make sense. I mean, the elements started as I don't know what you know what the intention was when he wrote the elements on the back of uh, the smile cover that came out in late 1966 because there are you know separate mentions of uh, of songs like like vegetables for example um, so I, I'm not sure but I mean it just seems to make sense that vegetables you know could be the earth portion. You know, we have a song for air, we have a song for fire, we have a song for water. So I'm I'm going with the notion that vegetables is uh, starting off the elements sweet. Okay, gotcha. So after that, we have wind chimes. So there's your, your air element. And uh, that okay. just flows so nicely into Mrs. O'Leary's cow. There's your, your scary fire element. Uh, then it gets interesting. Um, so we need water. And, you know, at the time there was a track called Love to Say Dada, which was not finished, which was finished very nicely uh, by Brian and Van Dyke in 2004 as In Blue Hawaii. That's a great track. But I can't help but think that Cool Cool Water is really where Brian intended to go at that time. Uh, you know, as we, as we know, even after Smiley Smile came out in 1967, Capitol was talking up still releasing Smile. There was talk of a of a ten track version of Smile, taking out I believe um, vegetables and heroes and villains. Uh, not sure about what good vib- what would happen with good vibrations there, but um, but anyway, at that time, you know, around the time of Wild Honey, Brian was working on Cool Cool Water. So with talk of Smile still potentially coming out, and Brian working on this track Cool Cool Water, which really sounds like it has a lot more to do with the smile era than the wild honey era yeah you know i'm I'm led to believe that cool cool water is it you know and we Mm -hmm. got a a great two minute and six second version of that on the recent uh, sunshine tomorrow 1967 release i mean i think that uh that would have uh that would have fit in perfectly i'm with you i think that's a, a good explanation of uh how the water part comes uh, just looking for your comment, wind chimes, uh, the the version on, wasn't it Smiley Smile? You know, it's a great song. Right. But I was, and you know, some people think I'm, I'm overreacting, and maybe I am, but kind of stunned when I first heard the what I'll call the smile version of that. Um, am I overreacting, overrating it? How, what do you think? I love that track, and and I especially love... You know, there is the version, the first version we heard, 1993, um, which which is great. I mean, it's, it is stunning because it has those stunning changes, like that that quiet, loud thing, 
which Brian was doing a lot of. You know, he does it on Cabin Essence as well and, and on other tracks. Um, but I was even more blown away by the version we got on the Smile Sessions, which has a whole other section of just beautiful chords that, like going on, like this instrumental part that, that he also used in the 2004 version. I, I mean, I, I can't say enough about that track. I think it's just like the thing about Smile is every track is a little gem. I mean, here's a song, you know, with a few lyrics just about, you know, looking at wind chimes. I mean, it sounds like such an LSD song, you know, this kind of heightened sit back yeah. and listen to your wind chimes. Um, but it's a whole beautiful orchestrated piece, you know, that just sort of leaps from that idea. Like it just, it just sort of shows how Brian, you know, could take a nugget of an, an idea and just build something monumental around it. I think that is just, uh, just beautiful. Yeah. I think that that's part of his, um, I want to say genius and I know that's been overrated. I'm just trying to say that's part of his, I don't know, great skill set or whatever would best describe it. Um, and you know, I, I know I'm, prejudiced i'm a huge beach boy fan uh, but i don't know are there other groups or or composers that can take something you know like his in a totally different uh, album here but you know can make a good song out of busy doing nothing or you know going mm-hmm. to sleep or listening to a wind chime um or vegetable you know let's talk about vegetables and make a great hit out of it uh just i'm you know, always blown away by that. Just can't get over that. He's like the Seinfeld of music. He uh, he writes songs about nothing. Sometimes yeah. he comes up <laughs> he with with with, before, with beauty. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got it. Good elements. We're from there. So, I mean, we've already covered a lot of musical ground. Like, I mean, that in itself would be a fantastic album if we stop right there. But we still have the whole childhood innocence uh, portion. So um, to me, that's where we kick in with uh, "Wonderful," which which lives up to its name. It's it's a, one of the more beautiful little Brian Wilson ballads, uh, and that's what opens up um, that section in the 2004 version. Although he he places that in the middle as opposed yeah. to at the end. Uh, now now here's the thing: like in, in planning out how this thing would end. Uh, so on the 2004 version, it's Good Vibrations. Now, one of the things that David Beard posted at the time was that Brian told him that Good Vibrations would not have closed Smile back in 1967. So if we take that, uh, you know, that we've got, we got to put it elsewhere, so I put it at the end of side one, but it ain't going to be the closer. So what is going to be the closer? I mean, to me, really, it's got to be Surf's Up. I mean, that is the most beautiful perhaps the most ambitious song on that album and it's very haunting it, it it really haunts the mind after after it goes in the same way maybe the caroline no does that on pet sounds you know it's, mm, it's yeah. kind of a but it's 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 kind of ominous surfs up maybe it's it's more ominous retrospectively as well because because we know what happened to brian after that he went through a rough time and in, in seclusion a little bit and uh surfs up seems to be like you know, the the point where he really tapped into his muse, perhaps as he never had before, and then we we never really got a, m- m- many glimpses like that afterwards, you know, it's it's like we got a different Brian after that, you know, it's, uh, it's a very powerful, haunting piece. I think uh, Mojo Magazine actually named it uh, the best Beach Boys track of all time uh, when they did a a list like this a few years ago. So anyway, so I mean, if if we have Surf's Up ending the piece, then we have those childhood songs, we have wonderful... 
then the, the question mark is child is father of the man. So this appeared as a separate song listing on the back of, uh, of the smile art. Um, would it have been? I don't know. Cause I mean, it's also part of that is used in surf's up. So was that ultimately the destiny of child is father of the man to be, to be part of surf's up? I'm thinking I'm going to sort of go with it as a separate track because there's some beautiful music there, beautiful haunting piano and horn piece. So I'm going to, I'm going to include it on, uh, on my version. And then from there lead to surf's up, which, uh, which ends the album. All right. Just to clarify. So you'd have child as a father before surf's up. In other words, after wonderful before surf's up. That's right. Okay. So what does that do to surf's up? Putting it that in terms of the flow of thought, um, that sequence, wonderful child surf's up. What is? Well, I I think you know maybe maybe it flows a a little bit from the humor idea and the idea of going back to innocence. I mean, it's hard to say how much of this was. Was I mean certainly that coda, which is so beautiful, you know, yeah. was uh, was I think written and recorded in 1971 when they resurrected this track uh, for the Surf's Up album. So I'm not sure if that was you know what Brian intended in 1967. But I mean the message to me is that you know the children know the way. That's a very interesting line. I mean, um, it, it could have to do with, with 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 the rise of the hippie culture, you know, oh, yeah. like like perhaps you know the older generation you know, has not done things the best. So therefore there's this new, you know, peace and love generation that's coming. I mean, maybe Brian was just tapping into the zeitgeist at the very right moment, you know, and, and saying that, 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 uh, perhaps the, this new youth movement, uh, is going to save us. Um, and, you know, Brian is very childlike. He always was. The, the, the humor element ties into that, like that, that childhood glee and humor. I mean, uh, you know, he handles it in a more somber, uh, powerful way and serves up than he does when he does a song like Vegetables. But I think thematically it all, it all ties together. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, my, my take on this song is it's his most, most political statement maybe he's ever made. Um, but unlike so much of the hit music uh, of the day, which was uh, anti the older generation, uh, and but but was much more hard hitting is what I'm getting at. It, it's kind of like the Friends album. Uh, someone said, "What was Brian doing when all the Vietnam stuff was going on?" Well, he was calling everybody to be peaceful and friends and and right. you know. Uh, it, so it, he is so. Soft isn't the word I want to use, but uh, his approach is the kind of thing that when you look back, you go, you know what? He really knew what was going on and, you know, could point us in a good direction. But we just thought, you know, Surf's Up was supposed to be about surfboards or something. So I wonder, would you see Surf's Up still ending with that coda? Or where would it end? Where would that? Where would the album end? What would be the, the final thing you hear? Well, it could it could end right there. You know, and it, it's interesting, uh, you know, when I wrote about uh, Caroline No uh, for my book, I talked to Jim Fusilli, who's the music critic uh, for the Wall Street Journal, and he was bothered by the way Caroline No ends with the train sound. Like, you have this very beautiful, sad ballad, like maybe the saddest Bright ever wrote, and then and then all of a sudden at the end you hear, like, a train and his dogs barking and all this, and, and I guess people always question, like, maybe Brian was just like, 
he just had this idea. He couldn't rationalize why he wanted it to end like that. He just did, or maybe there was a very specific purpose. Um, so I wonder if if Brian would have been comfortable, you know, leaving on this note of this haunting note of of, of you know the future and, and all this that that surfs up leaves us with. I wonder if he would have done that, or because the album is Smile, would he have done something? You know, a little bit lighter right after that. The only thing I can think of that's a possibility is You're Welcome. So You're Welcome was was a Smile-era track, uh, about a minute long, that ended up being the B-side of the uh, Heroes and Villains single. And it's just a a chant, basically, uh, (laughs) you know, that gets louder and louder. Uh, You're welcome. Well, you're well, you're welcome. You know, you're welcome to come. That could have been like, you know... Thanks, Brian, for this great album. You're welcome. I don't know. It, it sort of reminds well, me of what the Beatles did. Uh, sorry, it just reminds me of what the Beatles ahead. did at the end of Abbey Road. You know how they have this little thing called uh, Her Majesty that Paul McCartney sings. Just this silly little ditty that all of a sudden comes out of nowhere after after you know the big album statement closer, and then you have this little 23 second ditty that uh, silly ditty that Paul McCartney sings. I wonder if Brian, you know, might have been thinking in a similar way, but that's pure conjecture on my part. Sure. Well, we're we're having fun with the mystery and doing our conjecture. So one of my conjectures, when you put uh, Surf's Up after Child is the father of the man and then suggest maybe we, you know, he would have or could have ended with your welcome. Uh, my thought is, you know, Surf's Up is saying the children know the way, but it's in such an ominous mood to me, haunting uh, or foreboding is even a word that I thought of. Mm-hmm that I wonder if your welcome is saying, you know, and, and, and you know, Brian's not going to yell at people. He's going to say, well, you're, you're welcome to come. You're, you know, it's like an <laughs> invitation into this uh, new thinking, new consciousness, whatever it might be. Uh, the old is, you know, the Bible verse says the old is gone, the new has come. Uh, so, hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just thinking maybe it, it's an invitation, even uh, not, not, uh, not a humorous thing. Uh, and, that makes and, my selection of you're welcome even smarter, what you just said right there. Now <laughs> yeah. it all makes sense. Well, I'm not sure, but, yeah, that, <laughs> that could work that way. I'm also going back to your, uh, you know, the Caroline No and then the, the train and the dogs. Whenever I hear that, I see, obviously, you know, the, the visual, uh, a train going by. But I hadn't thought of it quite this way when, you know, maybe Caroline, <laughs> Caroline No is on that train, and she's not stopping. She's She's going, going, gone. Or, or yeah, at least, at least metaphorically speaking. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. So, uh, all right. So now let me. Uh, is there more you want to say on your? Uh, I, I guess the only other bit that I have, and it's a total cheat, but I think it's so good. On on Brian's uh, smile, there's a little uh, reprise of our prayer that comes uh, right before good vibrations sort of to bring us all 360 degrees. And I, I really think that was a 2004 idea that, that came from Darian Sahanaja, you know, mm. who was listed as being Brian's musical secretary for that project. I mean, he's the one that, you know, dug up all the old digital fragments that were out there and then put them together and sort of, like, I think he played a, a prominent role in, in arranging the sequencing and, and linking things. Uh, and so I think it was a nice idea to um, to have that little bit of our prayer before surfs up, just yeah, to bring us sort of full circle. And, and of course, there are there are all kinds of other little bits that we know about, and you know they wouldn't necessarily have been listed on the back of the smile cover. I don't know where 
where those bits would have gone. Maybe some of them would, would have used. I have a feeling there would be a little bit more in the way of linking tracks than I've mentioned, but I have no, no evidence of, of some of them. I've suggested a few that could work, but uh, you know, there's, yeah. there's probably others that, that I don't know about. But I mean, you know, as I mentioned, like we're, we're limited by time, so the mix that I have comes in at uh, 43 minutes and 34 seconds. So that leaves very little room beyond that. Well, that's that's an interesting dimension. Maybe others have done it, but it you know it's one thing to say, well, here's a sequence, and here's side one and side two, but it's another thing to say, well, there's only so many uh, minutes you can get on a vinyl LP, so that that really has to add into the uh, the assessment of not just what order could they be in, but it just creates some limitation that maybe others haven't used when they're coming up with their own sequence. Well, it's tough because there's so much great music, and in a way, I mean, you could make another mix that collects it all, or you could just call it the Smile Sessions box set. I mean, there's the temptation to put it all in there, but that wouldn't have been the album. If you're trying to recreate what the album would have been in 1967, you've got to cut it down. And, you know, I mean, I think everything he recorded for Smile was great, but, I mean, if you do boil it down, if you do crystallize it down to 45 minutes... I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, it's jam packed. I mean, it's, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't need anything else. You have, you have more than enough for, uh, yeah. for a masterpiece. A masterpiece, good word for it. Two, two, two thoughts. Uh, one is, uh, um, uh, the, the, the Blue Hawaii thing. I, I may have been the only one to miss it, but, you know, for all the years I was listening to what did come out and, you know, bootlegs and all that, um, I knew they were heading west. And I should have thought, well, where are they going? They're going to Hawaii. But uh, until he was that obvious with uh, with Van Dyke in 2004, it just never occurred to me. Of, I was thinking of West and really stopping at California. Uh, so it was interesting that, that that was kind of a new revelation for me in the 2004 version. Well, yeah, and, I mean, we're so lucky that, uh, you know, Van Dyke Parks came back and uh, and finished – the lyrics and yeah, and then it becomes more spelt out. I mean, I think that it had been speculated that that's what "Do You Like Worms" was about uh, because of the Hawaiian chanting that goes on. Right. And then we right. get very specific references to uh, the Sandwich Islands uh, in the lyrics to the 2004 version, which really uh, seals it. That yeah, that was that was the intention. Well, some of us need a little bit more hitting over the head, so uh, <laughs> I, I got that. Um, Fun stuff here. Thank you for doing this. Um, My pleasure. For, for putting such good thought into it. So now let me ask you to, to, to step aside from what you've done. What Be own, be your own critic. What would, I don't know that we'll, we'll get any comments with, uh, you know, it's just your, your version. So, you, you know, there's nothing you have to defend other than why you did it. But what would you see as someone saying might be the a hole in this or what would be the most controversial thing that you're suggesting that others might have to twist some thinking to get into? Well, I mean, I think to me, the sort of biggest surprises that I came up with, um, you know, that, that do you like worms segues into cabin essence because of the, yeah. uh, the train whistle, uh, good vibrations ending side one. I, I, I've never seen anybody else. I mean, I could be wrong. There could be a million people who thought the same way, but I've never seen a mix where that's been the case. Uh, and that I'm in great shape leads off to vegetables as the opening of, uh, of side one. I think those were the, the sort of light bulb yeah, moments for me. And Hey, I could be totally wrong, but it, it, it sounds kind of, uh, 
semi-legitimate? Well, more than semi. I mean, you got good uh, rationale for all of it, and ultimately, even if there are critics, uh, they don't have any. They they don't know any better either. In the sense that no, it's not like there is that Brian did it in '67 and said it just you know sat in a vault. Uh, and maybe that that's what'll keep them. The mystery and, and re-reconstruction of this, uh, as you say, masterpiece going for, for decades into the future, because there is that, uh, all the pieces are there, but, you know, like you said at the end, maybe there would have been a piece he'd create for the end. Who knows? So it's great music all by itself. I mean, it was great music when all we had was snippets, and you just hear uh, a short segment of, and you're not even sure what song it would be in. It was just beautiful whether it was haunting or inspiring or brought a smile to your face, it was just great music. So, um, As I so said, thanks, every Beach Boys fan, favorite game. That's where you started, and that's where we'll end. Mark, thanks. We'll uh, talk again, I hope, soon. But uh, Hey, Phil, one last thing I'd like to say is let's dedicate this one to Brian. As we know, he's uh, been in the hospital. He uh, had yeah. uh, mer- emergency back surgery. I was supposed to go see him on Saturday at Casino Rama here. And uh, that's been postponed. Hopefully uh, there'll be a new uh, date uh, announced. But uh, apparently his surgery went very successfully, so that's great news. And uh, we love you, Brian. Yeah, we do. Uh, in fact, I have a Facebook page called Our Prayer, and the whole aspect of it is, uh, you know, there's some guys like uh, myself who actually pray for these guys, so uh, that's a good reminder. I appreciate that. Thanks for this time, your good thought, and uh, we'll talk again. Thanks, Phil.